Kevin is well known to Oasis, but then for some of us you might not know. So Kevin is a member of the national leadership team of the Elam Pentecostal Churches here in the UK, also a regional leader for Scotland and the North West. Isn't it the North West as well, is it? Yes. All of that area. The whole world. The whole world. The whole world. (laughs) Part of Wales. He rules rules the world almost. So we're delighted to have Kevin here. He'll introduce himself and introduce Margaret, but we're delighted he's going to come and share this morning. So thanks, Thanks, Kevin. Pleased to see you this morning. I'm actually from Chadisden, so (laughs) it's a great build up, but I'm a Chaddo boy. (laughs) So uh, I don't forget where I was. I can just about do joined up writing now, so we're up there. It's great to be here, it really is. You know, I'm sure every preacher you ever have says that, but um, I have a very fortunate position that I preach in about 50 churches a year all over the country and uh, by God's favour over the different parts of the world. I would have to say, in my top 10 churches I go to, Long Eaton would be in the top 10 because, because, because it's not just because you have the pastor with the perfect hair, <laughs> even though it's now going grey. Not bad for a 72-year-old, though. <laughs> but I have to say, I go to lots of big, big, bigger churches than this, smaller churches than this. I go to um, very black gospel churches. I go to little churches. I go to all sizes. But I look for one thing. I've got to be honest. I'm looking and trying to sense the presence of God. And uh, if I can sense the presence of God, my heart's at rest. And over the years I've been coming to this church... I've never failed to sense the presence of God. And so for me, it's a great joy to be here. Tim, I don't know whether Tim Tim picked those songs because I was here, but I'm sure you recognize the theme of the songs was all about how much God loves us. And um, having said all of that, A.W. Tozer, I think it was 1963, said, Christians don't tell lies, they sing them. Christians don't tell lies, they sing them. And this morning, what I want to share with you in just a moment is a sermon that I wrote in September of last year. And um, normally when I write a sermon, I can't wait till the next Sunday to preach it. But I just felt no release to preach the sermon. And September went by, October went by, November went by, December went by and said, Lord, can I please preach this sermon? I like it. And the reason I like it is because it's really very life, my life is in in this sermon. And it was only in January of this year that I felt any release in my spirit to start to share what I want to talk about. And I want to talk, the title of my, my, my sermon will be The Ache of Anxiety. I've realized, I've been a Christian 44 years nearly now, 42 years, 43 years, and every step I've ever taken forward in God, I want to just confess to you, anxiety has been the issue that I've had to wrestle with. I'm not a depressive person. You know, some people, their angst is depression. Um, I must have been depressed at some point in my life, but I'm a cheery soul. So, I, I mean, I'm happy to be blessed. I see the funny side of most things. Not an issue. You could drop me in a vat of whiskey... And uh, it wouldn't affect me. I've never had a pint of beer in the whole of my life. So alcohol has never been an issue that I've had to wrestle with. Some of you, alcohol will have been an issue. But the issue that I've had to cope with or wrestle with, and I've come to the conclusion, there is not a silver bullet answer to anxiety. There is not 
of one size fits all to this issue. But I want to share with you, if I can, out of personal um, a walk, um, if I may, that I believe that we can't avoid anxiety, because if you're alive, for all of us, from one degree to other, there may be health anxieties. You may go for tests, and you're worried what the tests will say. You get anxious about the tests. We live in a world, don't we, where there has never been in my lifetime as much financial anxiety as today. I've never been more worried about the Greek debt in my life. <laughs> Every jolly piggy news, what's happening in Greece? Used to go there for holidays. Now we're worried about the, the euro. What's going to happen? If you talk to the environmentalist, they're anxious about the ozone level that any moment is going to give us all skin cancer. If you're talking to politicians, there's anxiety all in the political world because no one knows what to do. And they're all coming on TV trying to suggest ideas that will help. Yet the truth is, the heart of man is wicked and evil above all things. And we're living in the end days and there's problems. And so wherever you look, there's anxiety. And I want to turn to a passage of scripture that is well known in just a moment. In Matthew 6, on a good day, it's a great passage. On a bad day, it's probably one of the, the passages that condemns me the most. Because when I read it, on a bad day, I feel guilty. In just a moment. And just to say, my wife is here. and We'll probably save time by not introducing, if you don't mind. Um, many of you know she's the best kisser in Chadisden. And I married her 32 years ago. Not only is she a music teacher, a wonderful person, but she's, she's written three books. Uh, she is best kisser. But she take my words for Adrian. <laughs> I mean, she's better than Helen. <laughs> that was a joke, folks. Please do not phone John Glass to say I've been snogging Helen, please. That will be, I'll be sacked. I did say I'm from Shadow, so please forgive me. I know some of you near Nottingham, it's very posh here. But, but just to say, three books. Her Heart and Desire for the last 15 years, has been to take the message that Tim was singing about, about the Father heart of God, and how that can help us through all the issues that we face, because people have issues, and things happen in our life that are not good, and we walk and we carry scars, yet the Bible says it was for freedom that Christ has set us free, and so that's been our passion, and so many of you will know of the first two books that Margaret wrote, the White Elephant and the Seagull, each one contains 11 stories of Glaswegians. We were in Glasgow for 16 years. Um, stories of Glaswegians who overcame things like divorce, things like bereavement, things like rejection, things like abandonment, things like incredible painful issues. And each of the testimonies is like a self-help over an issue that you may have and they're going to be over there. I'm not sure whether this book, when the last time I came here, I come about every two years, may not have been out. Margaret's latest book is called Dear Sally. And um, 20, no, 1990, 22 years ago, think me, I'm getting old, 
Um, we were about to be inducted in the church in Glasgow. We were leaving Derby. I was the youth pastor with hair and ribs. And I was being sent off to Glasgow, um, well, brown hair and ribs, to go off to, um, to, to be the pastor of the Glasgow church. And on the day of my induction, I'm putting my suit on and my tie to get ready, and I can't find Margaret. And I wonder where she is. And she's probably doing something to her face like girls do and put spray in and stuff. And I went into the bedroom, and I found her in tears. And she was just crying. I said, Margaret, what's the matter? She said, I don't like it. Can we go home? And I said, we've sold the house. Just give it a few months. And she was just got incredibly homesick. And for those who are younger here, uh, there was a day before Twitter. There was a day before texting. There was even a day before email. People did the strangest things. They got a piece of white paper, pulled it off a shelf, and they began with a pen to write words that were spelt properly <laughs> with full stops and apostrophes and commas and, and things. Not like C-U-C-U. It was S-E-E-Y-O-U. It was spelt properly. And she had a friend in Derby, some of you may know, and one of the elders in the Derby church, Rob Greenbank. Well, his wife, Sally was Margaret's best friend, and so she began to write every two weeks to Sally about how she... So this is really Margaret's story of coming through the transition, and 11 principles are in this book that really what we're trying to live live by right now in our life, we learnt it in those days. Things like doing it is doing it. You know, church is great about talking about it, but doing it is doing it. Not talking about, not even praying about it, but doing it is doing it. Principles like, you can't change your, your feelings, but you can change your thinking. And if you change your thinking, you can change your feelings. Yeah. Principle, one of the big principles here, problems don't change your life. It's your response to the problem that changes your life. And so there's 11 things. And with Valentine's Day around the corner, guys, let me tell you, <laughs> forget thought and chocolate. So let me put weight on. Forget all of that. Forget perfume. They smell sweet enough. If you want to get a great present for your wife, just Margaret's real story. They're, they're all on that table. They're seven pounds each, and we'd just recommend them to you because they're not just a good read. I believe, seriously, the first two books can change your life if you apply the principles. And all over the world, we, we get emails back of people whose lives have been changed. Matthew chapter 6. We're going to read verse 25. Read these verses to you. Annette has told me I can go until 2 o'clock, so that's fine. I'll try my very best to finish uh, before court to, so let's just bear with me. In this passage, you see the word worry. The word worry there is the word dremo. And it's the same word that can be translated anxious, anxiety. It's the same word. And in the case I'm going to... I, I will read it as it's read, but when you read the wor- word worry, the w- word I want to talk about is anxiety. Anxiety means to be pulled in more than one way. Talk about that more about later. As I say, on a good day when I'm feeling great, and you know, I'm, being a, I'm trying to be transparent here today. This sermon came out, of a, as I said, out of a, probably a year's period in my life before I wrote the sermon. Um, was really been a tough time. My brother died. You may not be aware of this. 18 months ago, my brother died at 57 years of age. I sat in the city hospital praying for him to live. He didn't know Jesus as Savior, and I was praying that he would live and not die. And I sat by his bed, and he was in intensive care for sort of three days. And um, 
he died. And that caused a lot of anxiety within the family. Within that same six-month period, I was having some medical tests, and there was a few medical things, and the doctors thought for a little while that I might have had some prostate cancer. Thank God, it wasn't. Um, it ended up that they diagnosed me with diabetes, type 2 diabetes. Um, so that, I had some health issues. And my job, which is pastoring pastors, was incredibly difficult. And we had three marriages of pastors fail in my region. Two have ended in divorce. And so on my personal level, on my professional level, and in my spiritual life, I went through a period of great angst. And guess what? I learned yet again the secret of good ministry. Smile, sparkle, and be confident. And I came Sunday by Sunday. Ta-da! Because, you know, I'm known for a sense of humor. I'm known that not, not, not much death, but you'll have a laugh. But you see, folks, I'm just trying to be honest. This has been the, probably the single issue that I've had to fight all of my adult life. Not, not every day. I've known periods of great release from this. But there's times when you're, you're talking about riding that wave. Where's the lady? Great, get on board that surfboard. They've got an extra large one for me. I'm getting on that surfboard. But I tell you, the cost of going to the next level, the cost of getting on that surfboard and going to the destiny God wants you to fulfill you will have to wrestle with the issues of your heart. And for some of you, for some of you, not all of you, anxiety will be one of the issues. And so here we are. Today's a good day. So it says in verse 25, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, or what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than them? Verse 27. Can any one of you, by worrying, being anxious, add a single hour to your life? Moment stop. You can't add to your life, but I believe if you, anxiety is unchecked, you can actually shorten your life, but that's another story. 28. And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you of little faith? Or oh, there's a condemning word. I've got no faith when I worry. You of little faith. Where was we there? And then say there, 31, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father that knows you need them. But, remember whenever you hear a but, for see what comes next. Very important. But, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Could I just pray for us? Father, I pray this morning, in the very short time that we have together, Lord, it's almost impossible to try to 
communicate 18 months of revelation from yourself. And I, I just pray, Lord, that the Holy Spirit will take things here, Lord. And I want to just immediately bind up the, the whispers of the enemy that would bring condemnation to anybody here who suffers with anxiety. Anybody here who has the racing thoughts. Anybody here who finds that sleep is robbed because they, they get stressed and anxious about things that are going to happen that may never happen. And so, Father, I pray that you'll speak to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. You may say to me today, well, anxiety is a 20th, first century problem. First century. Jesus is talking to people. You'd think in those days, we think, oh, anxiety is all about the fast-paced life in which we live with motorways and traffic jams and all of the busyness. In the first century, they were anxious about what they're going to wear, what they're going to eat, how they're going to live. They're anxious about what the future holds and they're worrying about what the future is. And that's the story of today as much as it was in those days. Same issues. And I've realized, as I said, I've got to say off the bat, and, 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 and please, if you have a very, very strong faith message, this may, may not, you may not always agree with this, but I do not believe it is to live on this planet anxiety-free. I don't, I don't believe it's a possibility unless you're dead. Stuff happens. Stuff happens to all of us to various degrees. Some of us have a better emotional capability to cope with this and you're blessed by it not being a major issue of your life. It may be only a small issue. For some people, it's a big issue. For me, it's a big issue. But there we are. But my, I realise that my problem is to control it. I can't avoid it, but I can learn to control it. And to control what we feel and to control what I feel... I must control what I think. And I think that's one of the principles that's in the book there. So I want to say three things, if I can, in the time that we have. I want to talk about the attitude of anxiety. I want to talk, secondly, about the aftermath of anxiety. And if we've not all slashed our wrists by that time, I want to bring the final point, so stay with me. I want to bring the answer to anxiety at the end, if you'll bear with me, um, as we go through. But first of all, I want to paint the picture and... I want to give us all permission here today. You don't need that, but just to be honest. Because I tell you, we all suffer sometimes in secret and silence about these issues. And we think, well, we, in a church that's spirit-filled, we, we, don't, we, we, we just can never admit to these issues. The, atti- the attitude. Three things. The Greek word I said to pull in two or more directions. Anxiety is a result of the attitude, not in the environment. As I compared in verses, if you read there, in verses 25, 27, 28 and 31, Jesus is talking there about worry and anxiety. What are some of the reasons? I've got four very quick reasons here why we get anxious today. First of all, we allow ourselves to try to meet a need that's impossible for us to meet. You know, folks, I cannot be Jesus to my pastors. I cannot solve all of my pastor's problems. I cannot solve some of the marriages that are struggling. I cannot stop some leaders from being unfaithful to their spouses. But in my situation, I feel incredibly responsible for the people under my care. And I sometimes, one of the things I do, I set myself almost an impossible level to meet everyone's needs only Jesus can meet all of your needs 
No, not even your husband, not even your wife can meet all of your needs if you're married, if you have a wonderful marriage. But reasons we get anxious, because we, there's, a, there's a need that we feel incapable of meeting, verse 28. Second thing, I think, reason for we get this thing called anxiety, we set ourselves impossible standards. We set ourselves the bar, educationally, physically. You know, we live in a world, I've, I've just recently joined Slimming World, you can tell, can't you? I've lost, because I got the diabetes, I'm trying to lose weight and I've, I've lost two and a half stone and I, 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 I've, I've joined with 70 women. <laughs> 70 women and me go weighing ourselves every Thursday and it's the nearest I get to sin as they start to take their clothes off to, to, to weigh themselves. Some of them get quite, 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 quite a lot of stuff off. So I, I, have to, I have to put my glasses on when they're getting, because whoa, you know. And you said sometimes you think, I would love, I offer, I'm often mistaken for George Clooney. <laughs> Sorry? You can't see resemblance? <laughs> Titty ye not, missus. You know, some of us are never going to be twiggy folks. But we get depressed. We try on 17 hours, can't go out, can't go out, I've got no clothes to fit me. And that's the guys. <laughs> that's the men. Does my bottom look big in this? Yes! Why is that? You've got a big bottom! Get over it! You know, we set ourselves impossible standards. We've got to get a first-class honours. My family only does first. We're not losers, we're winners. But not everybody, not everybody's blessed with great educational skills. Only Greek word I know is kebab. And Dremo, for this sermon. It's two. But you set yourself impossible standards in work. Parenting. Face it, you're not a perfect dad, you're not a perfect mum. They don't exist. Just can't be perfect. Mary Poppins doesn't live in Long Eaton. We do our best, we need to improve, we need to strive to get better. But we mustn't set ourselves these impossible, impossible things for us to do. If I tried to look like Adrian, I couldn't do it. Just couldn't do it. It's one of the very few thin pastors in Elim. Every time I see him, I'm praying for weight on him. Third, third reason why we get, we get so angst. Unresolved hostility. Unresolved hostility. We don't always have the perfect relationship with our mum and our dad and our siblings. And as wonderful as I like, like the Long Eaton Church, sometimes in the Long Eaton Church, things are, one or two of you may rub each other the wrong way. Sometimes the music might be too loud, too soft. You know, sometimes you can... And I used to know, sometimes when I'm in church, people would sit sideways and leaf through the Bible when I'm preaching. <laughs> Almost like saying, you've got nothing to teach me, so I'll get my own word. And there's just unresolved hostility. And it causes angst. And sometimes we've got, to, we've got to walk. I haven't got time today to talk about forgiveness. But I tell you, one of, one of the chapters in the book talks all about if you want to un- get rid of some of the hostility, we've got to make a choice to forgive some people. We'll gain more from it. What about the f- put four more down? Things beyond your control. Verse 27. We can't control we cannot control the day we die. God knows the day I'm going to heaven. 
We can't control the weather. You can't control lots of things. And some of us like to, like our ducks in a row, don't we? Some of us like to get everything sorted out. My dad, who suffered greatly from anxiety, tried to live to control the whole of the family, which was very difficult. But those are such an issue there. Quickly, the aftermath of anxiety, because I want to get to the answer. I put down here the signs, just read these because for the sake of time, I won't unpack them. The signs of anxiety, forgetfulness. What's your name? <laughs> you can't concentrate. When anxiety is an issue, you find concentration on anything is a difficult thing to do. Small things take on big, big significance. When you're getting anxious, a small thing, you overreact. You can't make decisions. You misjudge people when you're anxious. You misjudge people's motives and you procrastinate. It leads to a life, and I love these, and so I'm just going to say, it leads to a life of drudgery, dampening, decrease, and damage. Again, there's half an hour there, but I can't unpack that. Because I want to turn to the, the good news. Because I think I've made a picture, and I hope you, you're on the page. What then is the answer? How do we control these things to the point they're not going to affect our life and our destiny? Well, I've got four things, if I can, to unpack this to you very quickly. Verse 30, 33 would give me the first thing. We've got to make sure that, and these all begin with T. I, I, I do like alliteration. First thing we've got to do is really, really, really turn your life over to God. You say, well, Kevin, I've come all the way here to hear you say that word every single week. You know, when I became a Christian 40-odd years ago, I got saved every week nearly. I don't know about you, I wanted to make sure I was saved. I said that prayer so many times in the first year. I put my hand up in so many, in so many meetings because I, I'd got such an, I wanted to make sure that I was going to get to heaven. But in, in the brethren, I, I was in the brethren, one or two people here remember the brethren days, I know some of you from years gone by, we were in the same church. And in the brethren, they used to have this phrase, I know Jesus is, you've given Jesus your life, but is Jesus Lord of everything? Is Jesus Lord? That was the phrase that we always said. And the truth is, we are incredibly good at giving Jesus our life and then taking it back. And so you can have every part of my life apart from my finances, apart from my marriage, apart from my job. I want that job. Apart from this, apart from that. And we're very good, particularly guys, at departmentalizing, giving bits of our life. <laughs> departmentalizing. Is that, is that the word? Yeah. Decompartmentalizing, that's the word. Looking to a forest fan for the answer. Folks, I've realized in the midst of what I was going through, I had to turn my brother over to God. When he died at 57, and in my opinion, he shouldn't have died. I wanted him to get saved. You know, I sat there in my own mind and prayed, Lord, if you bring him back, I promise I'll witness to him more. He doesn't know you. All he's known is angst. His wife died at 50 of bowel cancer. They had two children, both died. One, one, one was two days old. Their second, they tried seven years for their, their second child. He lived to be seven and was knocked down and killed in a car accident. No, nothing but tragedy and didn't know Jesus. But he hit the bottle and he drank too much and he swore too much. But he was a great, great guy. But he's dead. 
He didn't have a deathbed conversion. Now, I know deep in his unconsciousness he could have met God. I don't know those things. But I've got to say, I've had to turn it over. You've got to turn it over. You've got to make him Lord of the bankruptcy. You've got to make him Lord of the divorce. You've got to make him Lord of the miscarriage. You have to make him Lord of the bankruptcy. You've got to make him Lord of the stuff that's out there that causes us so much... Stank. We've got to turn it over. First, first thing, we've got to really turn it over and say, here it is, Lord, turn it over to you. Second thing, it says, seek ye first. That was the first thing, seek you first. First, turn it over to him. Second thing I would say is the answer here. First thing is to, is to, is to turn your heart to Jesus. The second one in Philippians 4, and just read a couple of... We'll read one verse to you anyway. Um, over in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. There's a verse there that many of you, again, you'll, this is nothing new. <laughs> Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving present your request to God. Second, if the first thing is to turn, the second thing is to talk. I, as I get older... I'm quite good about knowing what God wants in my life. There's some things, when I was a young Christian, I talked about everything. As I get older, there's things that, well, he's far too busy, I'll sort that out for him. In fact, I probably know better than him, because I'm a pastor. You see, it says, through petitions, I've realized afresh in the last year or so that God's interested in every single aspect of my life, not just the public bit. I can talk to him about anything. You know, all joking aside, 32 years ago I married this lady and she's my best friend on this planet. Tomorrow, the reason I'm down this part of the world, tomorrow we're going on holiday for a week to Lanzarote. And you know what? We'll sit and we'll talk. We'll go around the pool. and we, we, it's, our, it's going to be our downtime to talk about how she's feeling because ministry is so all-consuming, we don't have much more time to talk about our stuff. So we'll talk about our stuff. And, and guess what? I'm interested in what's the small things, she's interested in the small things in my life. That's what a relationship does. We've got to talk to God. But hear me, and again, I hope this is not controversial. We turn to God, we talk to God, but sometimes we have to talk to somebody else. You know, no one has ever accused me of lacking faith because I wear spectacles. I've been accused of many things in church life. Lots of people have a go at the pastor, but when I was 40 years of age, opticians, any opticians here? Any opticians? They love you to hit 40. 40 is the magic number for an optician. They just can't wait till you hit 40 because for the average person, when you hit 40, your eyes begin to deteriorate and you have to start to have reading glasses on. The church got used to glasses. No one says, my word, that pastor has no faith. He's, 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 gone. he's gone to an optician's. If I was to roll my trouser legs up, which I won't because I don't want you girls to stumble um, uh, by showing you my, my magic knees, um, but I've got two um, artificial kneecaps um, there because doctors have operated and took my kneecaps out and put, because, as you know, being a pastor... All the years of prayer and intercession that, that I've, I've prayed and, and been in such, such incredible intensity, um, plus a wee bit of football and, and running. And um, 
People have no problem. Folks, there are some emotional keys that there are God has gifted this world with people with the ability to unlock that key by asking you a series of questions and to be able to discover a way. And sometimes, hear me, it's not your first port. Your first port, turn to God, turn it over. Second thing, talk to him. But it's also, and hear me, hear me, there is absolutely nothing wrong going to talk to somebody who's got expertise in an area you need help. Amen? I'm not so many sure on that one. I'm telling you folks, it's not a sin. It's not a sin to go to a doctor. It really isn't. Thank God for them. I believe they're a gift. But we can talk to God. Third thing, very quickly. I've never preached this so quick this month. 1 Peter 5 verse 7. Again, verse many of you will know. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And my final two things are in this. We have got to... um, We've really got to throw it. Throw it over. First, the third thing is throw. It says cast. I don't know whether you know that. That word doesn't mean a nice English. Oh, excuse me, Father. Could I possibly just um, hand you my anxiety? There you are. You have my anxiety. Would you mind awfully? You're such a nice boy. Big glasses. <laughs> Go with the tummy. God bless you, my son. No, the word there, cast, is to throw it. It means This is driving me crazy, Lord. I want to give it to you. And I am not going to hold this. I am not going to go through this night after night, worrying my socks off with all of the racing thoughts. I want to give you my health issue. I want to give you, I'm going to cast it. I'm going to throw it off me. So we've got to throw it. We've got to do something. And in a few minutes, as we close, I want to give a challenge to you to do something. Not just say, good sermon, bad sermon, Thank God Adrian's back next week. Or whatever it is you're going to be saying. Because folks, I'm 57 years of age and I've been trying for 42 years to get this. First time I ever spoke in public, I spent longer, not trying to be serious, just the truth, I spent longer in the toilet than I did giving my sermon. Because I was so scared and frightened and anxious and terrified because I used to stutter and stammer and I'd got such anxiety about public speaking. But there comes a point when you've got to say, I believe the God of the Bible, and here it is, Lord. And to take the steps. Final thing, to bring it all the way back to Tim and what he was leading, and the band were leading so well in all the worship. So we talk, sorry, we, 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 we turn, we talk, we throw, and the final thing, we take. What do we take? The final part of that thing, it says, because he cares for you. You've got to really take his love, take his hand. You know, it's all very well singing all those great songs about the love that banishes all fear and the songs that we sang with such gusto and great musicianship. And even though the drummer was missing for the last song, no problem. (laughs) I thought thought there was a partial rapture because the the drummer disappeared at one point. And at one point, Tim looked, where's the the drummer? He's gone to heaven. (laughs) Called the gent's toilet. Folks, this I got when I was 42. The final thing I'm telling you, it took me until I was 42 years of age to get it. To get from here to here that the reason I can give him my angst and the reason I can throw it his direction is because he cares and loves me 
so much that when I was born 57 years ago, when my own father turned away, when I was, many of you know the story, when I was born, my dad wanted a girl, he's got two boys, he was already emotionally ill, it led to two nervous breakdowns, he was so ill that when I was born, and they told my dad that, Mr. Pete, you have a beautiful boy, he turned on his heels, walked out the house and refused to look at me for two hours because he was so disappointed that he got a Kevin, he wanted a Karen. I tell you, I, I, I'm rejected at birth. I've got to go through so many things to get to this level where I am now. And it took me 42 years to realize, guess what? I thank God for good friends. I thank God for the most amazing wife a man could ever have. I would not be in ministry if it wasn't for this lady. She was the one when I doubted myself, I doubted God. She was the one who believed in me and pushed me forward and said, you can do this. She was the one who, in many ways, was incredibly strong for me. And I often give public credit for that. But I tell you, her love, Adrian's love as a friend, some of you I know for many years chatting and talking. But folks, the bottom line is God loves me. And he cares for me. And he was bothered I was upset that my brother died. And he, I gave him some of my tears. And when I was really worried that I'd got cancer for just a little while, and I'm going through all this stuff internally, but you can't let anybody know, because, you know, being English, you don't tell people, do you? He cared for me. When I had to go to churches like this, could you imagine? It's ne never happened here, please, Adrian. I had to go to a church one Sunday, packed church, and to tell their church their pastor was no longer their pastor. It's the worst thing you ever do. It's the worst thing in the job in the world. Because people put so much trust in a pastor. And when they have feet of clay, and I was there, the church meeting lasted 20 minutes, and I told them. And I spent an hour and a half hugging 200 people who were sobbing. Almost, I would say, every single person in the church was sobbing their eyes out. And I tell you, that was the most, one of the most emotionally things I did. But you know what? When I stood there, he cares for me. I don't have to take it all myself. I don't have to be the man of steel. He cares for me. I'm incredibly human, Joy. And I don't want to ever to become a professional pastor. I don't want to ever become a professional preacher just giving out scripture verses. I don't want to do that. I want to be a better preacher. I want to be more into the word but I want to tell you guys and I must finish long eaten you've heard it a million times but for some of you need to hear it afresh because you've got you're going through an area of angst the reason you can throw your cares on him today is because he cares for you let's pray let's pray let's pray you've listened so well please accept my apologies for going on a few minutes longer than, than, than you normally have let's just pray together I would really recommend some of those books if some of those issues I've talked about some of those first two books cover those issues we take them on all the weekends we go away so people can carry on these, these things but let's just close our eyes folks because I know we need to go and I know all of those things but these, these next few minutes for some of you potentially can be life changing pulled in two directions pulled in two directions 
restless nights, anxious thoughts, being robbed of so many things. While I've talked about turning, talking, throwing and take. Because he cares for you. This is not an appeal to just get more of the Holy Spirit, even though that's going to happen. This is just a, a reality check here this morning. And forgive me, I'm not trying to embarrass anybody. But whenever you hear this sort of stuff, there needs to be a response. There needs to be an action. There needs to be something that's said. Something that's um, a physical response. He says, cast, throw, doing something. It's, it's, it's action. And so please, I do not want to know one thing that you're anxious. It's none of my business. It's nobody else's business. But church this morning, if you feel that God has spoken to you, if you feel that this is one of those meetings that you're in and think, this is me and I need to respond. There's issues that I want to turn over to God and I want to receive the care and love of God in my life. And I want to bring my situation that's really causing me anxiety. It could be family. It could be health. It could be relationship. It could be children. It, it, it could be a whole host of things where the enemy is attacking us and our thinking. And we want to take those thoughts captive and to cast them onto the Lord. And if God's speaking to you, I would ask you to do something for me right now. I would ask you to be very brave because if you're feeling anxious, this is a hard thing to do. But if you really feel that this is the morning when God has spoken, would you come and stand with me? Because I'm an anxious person. And what I preach to you, I'm trying to walk through. So if you feel this morning God is speaking to you, would you just quietly, quickly come and stand with me at the front, please? Don't wait for anybody else if you feel this is an issue for you. Come and stand with me at the front. Come and stand with your brother. I'm your brother this morning. I'm not just your preacher. I stand with you as a brother in Christ. And we've got to recognize anxiety from birth to grave. Anxiety is not, only, not, not just a condition of older people. I remember crying when I was five years of age. I didn't want to die. I was anxious about death at five years of age. Please, please come, come through. Some people come the other side. Would you come that other side of me, please? Would you come, guys? Some at that side, just keep going there. If anybody else needs to come. We do have a prayer team aid in here, do we? People, people, please, if you come forward, don't pray, but I'd like some prayer team to come with me. You know, folks, I can stand here with great confidence because I like you, but I can't take your cares. I like you, I can talk to you, all of those things, but we're going to talk to a God who's going to deal with these. So can, can I get the prayer team to come out and help me to pray because, because it, we're going to hand these things over to God. You know the issue. You know the issue. Let's, let's just close our eyes. rest of the church, could you stand? Once we begin to minister, going to release the rest of you. If you want to go, going to get coffee, feel free to do that. But if you want to stand with your friends for a moment and pray with them, because anxiety is a real, real, real issue. I'm 57 and I'm still wrestling with these things, but I'm learning to control it. So would you, would the prayer team just come? Let's close our eyes. Let's just come before the Lord. We're going to pray with you. 
than just a fellow walker on, the tr- on this planet, Lord, confessing that there are things that concern me. Prayer team, begin to pray. Begin to lay hands on, would you? And Father, I pray for these people. I pray collectively over them, Lord, right now, that we want to throw. We want to throw. We want to cast. We want to cast our burdens onto you, Lord. Not because you, you're just a good catcher. Not because, Lord, it's the thing that we're supposed to do. Lord, we want to just do this right now because you care for us. You love us. Before we were born, we were chosen to be your child. And so, Father, I thank you right now. Holy Spirit, would you come? Holy Spirit, would you come? And Lord, would you just begin to lift off of these people, these burdens? Lord, we want to lay it down, Lord. We want to give it to you. We want to talk to you about it. We want to tell you, Lord, this is driving me crazy. I can't cope, Lord. I can't handle the thoughts. I can't handle the stress and the anxiety. And Lord, you don't want us to. You want us to talk to you, Lord, and to turn it over to you. And Lord, we again say, Jesus, be Lord of our life. Lord, we give you our life again. And Lord, I say, Lord, please, would you hear our hearts, Lord? We want to make you Lord of every part of our life, not just Lord of Sunday. We want you to be Lord 24-7. We want you to be Lord 24-7 of everything. Our marriage, Lord, our physical life, our emotional life, our mental life, Lord. We want, we want you to be Lord of the thoughts that we think. We talk to you, Lord. We turn it over. And Lord, now we take your hand. Lord, and I pray right now, Lord, that there would be a fresh, a fresh revelation. A fresh level revelation that you really are loved by God. It's a safe place for tears. Long eating is a safe place for tears. It's a safe place to let things go. Father, would you come? We let it go, Lord. We let it go. We let it go. Lord Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we let this stuff go. Because you care for us. Because you care. You cheered the day we born. And Lord, you're cheering our life right now. And we give it to you, Lord turn it over we turn it over we turn it over we turn it over we turn it over Lord we turn it over